Well, friends, uh, it's, it's good to be with you. Uh, if, you. if you're joining us for the first time this morning, really, really uh, special. It's great that you're here. I'm going to read the Bible in a moment. But before we start, I just thought I'd um, give you a brief idea of what we're trying to do over this weekend with these four talks. As I said, we're not working through passages of the Bible so much as stepping back and looking at what the whole Bible has to say about who God is. And let me tell you why the Trinity matters. Think about that. Actually, you know what? Here's a brief exercise. I want, I'm going to give you 30 sec- only 30 seconds to do this. Turn to the person next to you, or one or two people, and ask each other, what is the most important doctrine slash truth in the Bible? So is it the Bible? Is it the Trinity? Is it the cross? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it um, spiritual gifts? Is it eschatology, like the end times? Is it church? If you had to pick one... What would it be? The most important of them all. 30 seconds, go. Fifteen seconds. Five, three, two, one. All right. What did we? How did we go? Any, any, any particular thoughts? This is not a hypothetical question, so or rhetorical question. So, uh, Trinity. Okay. Well, that's that's a gimme. That's that's the problem. So you can't say Trinity. What would you say? Grace. Anything else? Who had grace? Not bad, not bad. Give me one more. The Word. That's interesting, isn't it? I actually want to suggest that, like, how you understand God is like a big tent. And if you've got a big tent, you need different sized tent poles to keep the thing up standing, Right? The big ones that really matter that tell you what you believe about God are the big three, not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity, the Word, and the Cross. Those three things, what you think about who God is, how He speaks, and what He's done, support everything else. And kind of what you believe about anything else will flow from that, and it's kind of less important than those three things. But if you give on those three things, a whole show just comes to an end. The tent just comes down. Yesterday we saw without the Trinity, there is no love. Today I want to show you that without the Trinity, there's no way that we can know God. There's no way that we can know God. So keep singing songs like that, yeah? Because songs like that remind us of what the Trinity is. And the moment we drift into what you call Unitarianism, the fact that there's only one God but there's no three persons within God, You lose love altogether, and you lose the ability to know God. I'm going to read from John 14, 1 to 11. So have your Bibles open. John 14, 1 to 11. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. 
If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise believe because of the works themselves. And secondly, turn with me to John 16, one page over. John 16, verses 12 to 15. Verse 12, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Let's ask God for his help. Father of unapproachable light, by your spirit, open our eyes that we might see your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. C.S. Lewis uh, famously writes, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. It's a wonderful insight, isn't it? God is the sun at the center of our solar system. He is the sun that keeps everything in motion, that shines light on all things, that gives life to all people. And when we live in light of the sun, when we live with God at the center of our lives, it's, it's as if we see everything clearly. But let's face it, it doesn't always feel that way, does it? So often, even as Christians, I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember, it feels like there are times where we can't see God. It feels like we can't even know God. Yep, sure, I get it. God is the sun by which I see everything else, but what if I can't even see him? I mean, gosh, so many of us know that feeling, don't we? God seems so distant. God seems so absent. God seems so silent. And you come to church and you listen to us preach and you know God in your head, but let's face it, it feels like you don't know him in your heart. I, someone would ask you, do you know God? You, you say, yeah, I know something about him, but I don't feel like I know him. Last night, we kicked off this series by asking that fundamental question, who is God? And we saw the answer, he is the one God who exists as three persons 
in a relationship of eternal selfless love. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all in this relationship of eternal perfect love. He is the one God who doesn't need our love. And yet, don't you love that quote by Susanna Wesley? He loved us because he loved us. What a beautiful God. What a glorious God. See, my hope is that over this weekend, the Trinity would blow your mind. It would give you a greater, bigger, grander vision of the God we worship. But I also hope that it will warm your heart. I also hope that as your mind is blown by the magnitude of this God, that you might go, wow, a God so big would come to a people so small can feel a bit like that, can't it? God so big, so glorious, so mighty, so distant, and you wonder how can someone like me know a God like him? How can a person so small know a God so great? How can I know him? How can I see him? Wherever you're at, I want you to know that if you want to know this God, maybe more deeply or maybe for the first time, you can. Because we see our God in his Son and by his Spirit. That's the big idea from this morning. We see our God in his Son and by his Spirit. So if you, if you think you know this God, I want you to know this morning, you can know him more deeply still. Maybe you've grown up in church your whole life. You're at Kingsway, you love it, but let's face it, if you were to honest, be honest with yourself, you know this God, but really only intellectually in your head. Today I want you to know that you can know him personally in your heart. If you're here, you're not a Christian, or you don't know where you stand with God, I want you to know that today you can see God for the very first time. Here's my three points for this morning. The invisible Father... The visible Son and the revealing Spirit. The invisible Father, the visible Son and the revealing Spirit. If it's not already apparently obvious, when it comes to knowing God or seeing God, we face two great problems, two great obstacles to us knowing who God is. Firstly, the brightness of His glory and secondly, the blindness of our hearts. The, the brightness of His glory and the blindness of our hearts. Uh, when I was in primary school, uh, one of my friends, he would have this challenge that he'd, he'd set himself every lunchtime. He'd like to see how long he could stare directly into the light of the sun. He wasn't a really smart kid, as you can tell, uh, and I don't think his uh, you know, vision, uh, you know, his optical strength is that great right now, but for him, he saw it as a challenge. How long can I stare into pure sunlight before it burns the cornea off my eyeball, right? It's like that experience. I remember uh, uh, being uh, driving back down here with Pastor Daniel yesterday, and the sun was just shining directly into our eyes, and it was blindingly bright. So bright that the sun actually impaired our vision. So bright that we could not see. And there's the great irony of the sun, isn't it? You see, the only reason why we can see anything in our world is because of the sun. And yet when you look directly at the sun, you're blinded by the purity of its light. 
That's what it's like when it comes to looking at God. We cannot know God or see Him, but if we look directly at Him, we'll be blinded by His glory. To look directly at God is, is like looking directly at the sun. In 1 Timothy 1, the Apostle Paul describes God the Father as the King eternal, immortal, and invisible. Then at the end in chapter 6, he, God is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. Did you see what Paul is saying? At the beginning and at the end of 1 Timothy, God is so pure, so beautiful, so glorious, that unless he shows himself to us, we'll never be able to see him. We'll never be able to know him. Gosh, even when Moses asks to see God's glory, God says in Exodus 33, 20, Moses, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. You, you just can't look at him. It's like staring at the brightness of the sun. And so what God does is he, he takes Moses. He hides him in the cleft of a rock. He, he covers him with his hand. He passes by Moses and shows him only his back and not his face. Because if Moses looks directly at the face of God, he'll be struck dead. And so would we. God is so pure. So perfect, so glorious, so beautiful that without his help, we cannot come to him. We cannot see him. We cannot know him. You see, friends, when it comes to knowing God, that's our first and our biggest problem. We can't look upon his face. We can't see the brightness of his glory. But I want to say there's a second problem we face as well. It's not just the brightness of God's glory, it's actually the blindness of our hearts. You see, you and I, we simply don't have the eyes to see him. God could be standing right in front of us and yet we would still not recognize him. Years ago, uh, I was watching on the ABC because I do that from time to time. Um, I was watching Q&A. Uh, it's not worth your time, don't waste your time. But at that time, I was watching it. Peter Jensen, the Archbishop of Sydney, was on, and he was uh, sitting next to a journalist from The Age down in Melbourne, and she said, Peter, if, if God just appeared right in front of me right now, I would believe him. And Romans 1 would say, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because even if God appeared before you, that would only resolve one part of the problem, the brightness of his glory. What it would not resolve is the blindness of your heart. Romans 1 says, we suppress the truth. We exchange the truth of God for a lie. Did you get what he's saying? It's not just, I can't just say, oh, I'm a hapless victim, I'm blind, so I can't see God. No, in Romans 1, Paul is saying, We've blinded ourselves to God. It's not just that we can't see God, it's that we don't want to see God. Years ago, uh, there's a great movie, if you haven't seen it, more of my vintage, it's called A Few Good Men. Lieutenant Caffey is cross-examining Colonel Jessup over the murder of a young Marine. 
The lieutenant asked the colonel, did you order the code red? Did you order the attack on that young Marine? He says, Tom Cruise, I want the truth. And then Colonel Jessup, Jack Nicholson, utters those unforgettable words. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. And friends, I want to say that perfectly describes our second problem. Why are our hearts so blind is because we can't handle the truth. So we suppress it. We ignore it. We sideline it. We make ourselves willfully blind to the truth of God. I was talking with someone at my church and he said to me, you know what, Adam? I like to live a simple life. Sometimes knowledge is a curse. Ignorance is bliss. Better not to know. Well, I want to say, if we see the brightness of God's glory, I get why he would say that. Because the brightness of God's glory shines a light on our sin and exposes our hearts. You see, we turn a blind eye to God, hoping that he'll turn a blind eye to us. It's not that we have a head problem. Friends, we have a heart problem. We can't handle the truth. And so what we do is we blind our hearts to God. We numb our hearts to God. We separate ourselves from God. We step back from God. So often people come to me and say, Adam, help me. God seems so distant. He seems so far away. I feel so cold and I just don't know how to relate to him. Is he hiding himself from me? And my question sometimes is, brother, sister, are we hiding ourselves from him? Are we hiding our sin from him? If you feel that God is far away, here's my question. Might there be sins that are separating you from him? Are there sins which are blinding us to him? Are there sins which in our heart of hearts we know that if we were to step towards God, it would be that moment that we step into the light and the light gets shone down and we get exposed and we can't hide? Maybe it's not God who's distant. Maybe it's us. How can someone so small know a God so great? Well, I want to say we can't. It's because of the brightness of his glory and the blindness of our hearts. And the only way that you and I will ever see God is if he reveals his glory and he opens our eyes. Friends, we have a double problem and we need a double cure. We have the problem of God's glory and the problem of our hearts and we need a cure for God's glory, as it were, and a cure for our own hearts. We need God to show his glory and we need God to open our hearts. Too many people at my church like uh, watching Harry Potter. My intern often comes into my office and takes a random stick that he found off the street, opens the door, to my office and says, Harry Potter, the boy who lives, come to die. And then he points at me and says, Adava Kedavra. I then go and tell him to do some real work. If you've seen Harry Potter, you know that Harry owns something called a cloak of invisibility. And if he's wearing that cloak, he's totally invisible. No one can find him. 
The only way that Harry will be seen is if firstly, yes, I know they have the Marauders map, but actually is if he takes off that cloak and makes himself known. You know, from time to time, you, you talk to some of us, and Pastor Paul asked me that question before, how, how, how did you come to faith? And, and so often we, we frame it in these ways. Let me tell you how I found God. Let me tell you how I discovered God in my life. And, and no doubt that's how it feels from my personal perspective. But I want to say, if the Father is invisible, we don't find him. He finds us. We don't discover God. God reveals himself to us. That The Father is so bright in his glory that all by ourselves we'll never find him. No, there's only one way that we can see God. And that's if he shows himself to us. If he comes to us as one of us. And that's exactly what he's done. God sends his son to reveal his glory. We might think God sent his son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, yes and yes. But even before that, he sends his son so that we might see his face. I love what Philip says in John 14 in that reading. Lord, show us the Father. And that's enough for us. Isn't that how we feel sometimes? We feel God is distant, God is absent, and we say, look, just show yourself. That's all I want. Then I wouldn't doubt anymore. Just physically appear before my eyes, be tangible, be visible, then then I'll believe you and I'll follow you. But Jesus says, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. You see, friends, if you want to be free of doubt, If you want to be full of confidence, look at Jesus. If you want to fight doubt, if you want to grow in confidence, keep looking at Jesus. If you want to see the Father, look at the Son. How does God make himself known? By sending Jesus to reveal his glory. If I want to know God, the only way that I'll ever know God is by knowing Jesus. There is no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. And the implication being, if you don't know me, You won't know my father. In in the first year that we planted our church, we had a guy called Josh come along, and he was a he's a troubled guy, a lot of mental health issues, and and really difficult life. And and I I sat down with him uh, out. So we we had to set up chairs every Sunday, and so when people were wheeling the chairs in to set it up, I I sat outside on at the school playground. I was in a private school at that time, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, mate, like, how how's it going? Like, how, how where do you feel like you're at with God?" And he said to me, "Adam." God just feels so distant. He's like an abstract idea. So impersonal, so cold, so far, so far away. In all my hurt and all my pain, there's no way that a God like that could ever know how I'd feel. I spent most of my time listening to him. 
About 10 minutes into listening to him, it occurred to me that, and this, it might sound like a semantic thing, but listen carefully when people share things. He kept saying God, but not once did he say the name Jesus. Now, I found that fascinating. He always said God, but he never said Jesus. So I asked him, I said, hey, Josh, tell me, how do you see God? Like if you were to paint a picture of who this God is, what, what do you see? And this is what he said. He said something like this, Adam, the God I see is someone who's powerful and mighty, but distant and cold. Someone who demands everything, but offers nothing. Someone who's ready to judge me when I do anything wrong. Ready to reject me when I let him down. A God who wants me to live a perfect life, and if I don't, he'll just abandon me. It was tragic, actually. Not only because that picture of God is awful, but because that picture of God is not true. And I asked him, I said, Josh, have you ever read the Gospels and read what Jesus is like? And he said, no. And I said, brother, if you read the Gospels and you see the face of Jesus, I promise you, you will see a God so different than what you describe. And I said, mate, can, can I share with you the God who I see when I see the face of Jesus? Is that okay? Can I do that with you guys right now? This is when I read the Gospels and I see the face of Jesus, I see a God who's so beautiful. I see that when I was at my worst, God gave me his best. I see Jesus who welcomes the outcast, who accepts the rejected, who heals the brokenhearted. I see Jesus who remembers the forgotten, who washes the unclean, who forgives the sinner. I see Jesus as caring, tender, patient, gracious, merciful. And loving. When I, when I look at Jesus, I see a God who loved you to the point of death. I see God just like I see him. As an aside, can I say, I, when we planted our church, we wanted to see people come to know the Lord for the very first time. But on my heart of hearts, what I really wanted was people who had walked away from the Lord for years to come home to him after a very long time. That's what I wanted more than anything else. The number of kids who have, who have been in my youth group 10, 15 years ago who walked away from the Lord just breaks my heart. And gosh, if we could bring all of them home, imagine the evangelistic fruit that would be there. I suspect it might be similar for you guys. You could think about people you grew up in church with who walked away from the Lord and you think, God, bring them home. And here's the trick. I'm convinced that so many of them want to come home because a life without God just doesn't cut it. Can I be a bit rude for a moment? It's bloody lonely. It's so hard. But you know what stops them from coming back? A vision of God that is not a sufficiently vision of Jesus. 
if they could only see what Jesus is like, they would come home because they would see that Jesus will not judge them, he will not shame them, he will not pour more guilt on them. He will open up his arms wide and say, come home. There's my heart. I wish they could see Jesus as he is. You see, friends, when, when we lose sight of Jesus, we lose sight of God. And when we lose sight of God, we then create a God of our own imagination, a God in our own image. Brothers and sisters, can I say, if you ever feel like God is distant or that he doesn't care, look at the sun. He cares more than you could ever imagine. You know, for better or for worse, so many of us here look like our parents, don't we? If you're a parent, you might look at your child and the first question is, who does he look more like? Is she more like mum or more like dad? Pastor Paul and I, we, we share a number of mutual friends and we've got a friend called Matt. A few months ago, he became a father and he sent me a photo of his daughter, Karis. And when I looked at her, I was like, oh my gosh, she has your cheeks. And, and whenever I look at her, I'm like, she is the daughter of her father. She must be Matt's daughter. In many ways, when I see Karis, she, she reveals Matt in many ways. However, though, however much, though, Karis might look like her dad, she isn't her dad, is she? I can look at Karis and through Karis I can know something about her dad. But the truth is I can't actually know her dad, can I? They're just not the same person. All the way back in the second century, that's what some people thought about Jesus and God. Now they said, well, Jesus is the son of the father. So he tells us something about his father. He's got his father's cheeks, right? Jesus makes God known. But, but just like Karis isn't Matt, then Jesus isn't God. There was a man called Arius. And he said that Jesus is the greatest of all God's creatures. He's the best of all God's sons. He's like God, but he's not actually God. For what it's worth, if you're worried, I'm telling you, that's heresy and untrue. Because if that is true, we've got a massive problem, don't we? If Jesus is not actually God, if Jesus only looks like God, if he's kind of God's doppelganger, it means we can't ever really know God. We might be able to know something about him, like I know something about Matt from Karis, but, but if we're going to know God truly, then Jesus has to be truly God. Unless the Son is truly God, we will never truly know him. And right throughout the New Testament, we see that Jesus is exactly God. John 1, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Hebrews 1, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. Or in the words of the Nicene Creed, we believe in one God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. And get this, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Begotten but not made of one being with the Father. Okay, can you hear what the creed is saying? It's saying that the Son is truly God in every way. If you're looking for God, then look to Jesus. And I want you to know that if you're looking at Jesus, 
beyond a shadow of a doubt, you are seeing the face of God. One of the great risks of having this weekend away all about the Trinity is that we just walk away juiced up with a bigger intellectual knowledge of God. But I want to say it's a serious mistake to know God in our heads, but to not know him or love him in our hearts. It is self-condemning to know more about God in our heads, but to not know him in our hearts. But I want you to notice something. I want you to realize this. Is it, just think about it. Isn't it fascinating how God reveals himself? God doesn't reveal himself by sending us an email, by writing a textbook. No, God reveals himself by sending his son, a person, a human, one of us. Philippians 2, God the Son emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. Why? God comes as a person so you and I can know him personally. Knowing God isn't merely intellectual, no, it's deeply personal. Please don't come to this weekend on the Trinity and go, wow, I walk away with such a bigger intellectual academic knowledge of who God is without also walking away and going, I love him more deeply. He came as a person so that he might know you personally. John 14, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. God doesn't want you to simply know him as an idea. No, friends, he wants you to love him as your father. He wants you to know him as a son or daughter knows their dad. He wants you to know his son as we might know our brother. If our Christianity stimulates our minds whilst our hearts remain cold, we have totally missed the point. Because knowing God means loving God. The Trinity isn't a doctrine to be analysed. No, he is a God to be worshipped. The Trinity shouldn't just blow our minds. It should warm our hearts. The Trinity shouldn't just give us a bigger vision of God. It should give us a deeper love for God. How can someone so small know a God so great? Because God sends his Son to reveal his glory. Finally, he sends his spirit to open our eyes. He sends his spirit to open our eyes. Some years ago, I traveled all the way to Germany and I went uh, on one of those study tours of Germany to celebrate the Reformation. And I don't know why some people seem to think that I'm the sort of person who enjoys going to art galleries. I'm really not. We were given a choice. Who wants to go to the pub or who wants to go to the art gallery? And I started walking with the pub group and people, said, people were like, aren't you going to go with them? And I'm like, why would you think that I would go to the art gallery? And they're like, you know, look at you. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't have no idea what that means. Um, and, and I went to the art gallery with some friends at another time down in Tasmania. And, and you know who I respect? I marvel at those artsy friends of mine who can look at, stand there, look at a splash of paint on a white wall which has no coherence or beauty or anything to it and go, huh, interesting. It's like classic Andy Warhol. And I'm like, 
what are you seeing? You know, like the, these guys can just see things. And I just can't. I stand there and go, it's colourful. Why? I mean, this painting is worth millions of dollars. And I look at it, I just see a splash of paint. I would venture to guess that the problem is not with the artist. I would venture to guess that the problem is not with the artwork. I would venture to guess that the problem is me. That I just don't have the eyes to see true beauty. And I wonder if you're not a Christian, that's what it feels like being at church. We come, you, you stand there and you look around and you see other Christians and they're lifting their hands in praise and they clearly love the Lord. And you're like, I, I, you're clearly seeing something that I don't see here. Well, I want to say that if we are going to know the Father, we don't just need him to reveal his glory. We need him to open our eyes. And so he sends the third person of the Trinity. He sends the Holy Spirit. The Son reveals God's glory and the Spirit opens our eyes. In John 16, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He'll open your eyes of our hearts to enable us to see the glory of God. He will heal our blindness so that we might see His Son. In John 15, Jesus says that the Spirit of truth will testify about me. You see, just as the Son reveals the Father, the Spirit reveals the Son. God the Father says, hey, if you want to look at me, look at the Son. And the Spirit says, don't look at me, look at the Son. The Spirit almost points away from himself and says, stop talking about me all this time, go look at Jesus. If you're not a Christian, and you want to see what we see, if you want to have the eyes of your heart open, then why not ask? Why not ask the Spirit to open your eyes? One of the young guys at my church said, he's grown up in church his whole life, he said, I get what everyone else sees, but I just don't see it, but I wish I could. I wish my heart burned like theirs did. I wish I could see God like all my friends saw him. And I said, mate, then why don't you pray? Because only the Holy Spirit can open your eyes. Why not pray, open the eyes of my heart, God. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Sometimes it's easy for us Christians, right, to think that God speaks through the word in one way and then he speaks through the spirit in another way. We think that God says some things in the word and other things by the spirit. Growing up in my church, I loved reading my Bible. My pastor said to me, Adam, it's great that you've got the word gift, but understand other people don't have that word gift. Other people have the spirit gift. So there are word people and then there are spirit people. And I want to suggest that's rubbish. Because the spirit doesn't speak apart from God's word. The spirit speaks through God's word. It's why in John 16, Jesus says that the spirit will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will glorify me because he'll take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. Don't, don't you love that moment? Someone said to me, I said, the Spirit speaks through the Word, and they say, well, Adam, are you boxing the Spirit? 
Are you constraining the Spirit? And I'm like, no. I mean, he just said it himself. The Spirit will not speak on his own. He will speak whatever he hears. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own. Gosh, the Son doesn't speak on his own. No, what the Father gives, the Son has and the Spirit declares. Let me tell you why that's such good news. It means that the Father, the Son and the Spirit all speak with one voice. It means they all say the same words. It means they all speak the same gospel. That means that you and I can have absolute confidence in this book. Because when we read it, we are hearing not just the Son speak, we are hearing the Spirit speak as well. Uh, When I was in high school, one of my friends would say that every day the Spirit would speak to her apart from the Word. I asked her how that would happen. She said, I go home, put on some Bethel, sit on my bed, let the Spirit speak. And, And she'd have private revelations, personal encounters, individual messages from the Spirit. And I just felt so gypped to be honest i was like ripped off i was like, there's me in my room i just cranked the music as hard as i could nothing would happen no private revelation no personal encounter no individual message all i had was this but you know what all i needed was this because the spirit doesn't speak apart from the word he speaks through the word He speaks through the Word to reveal the Son. And that means every time we open our Bibles, we are hearing the Spirit speak. We are seeing Him reveal the Son. And when we pray, open the eyes of my heart, we are asking the Spirit to show us Jesus. It's like I said to Pastor Paul before, I had read Hebrews 2 countless times in my life. But why was it? That it was when I was in Malaysia at the age of 18 that those words were seared into my mind and my heart. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's because the God who has always spoke in that moment sent his spirit to apply those words and sear them on my heart with a branding iron that I will never forget. God sends his son to reveal his glory. And he sends his spirit to open our eyes. Friends, I want to say, if you want to see the Father, look at the Son. And if you want to see the Son, then pray to the Spirit. I get it. I wish. I wish we could see the Father face to face. Wouldn't it make life so much easier? Wouldn't it be so much more intimate, so much more loving to actually see the face of God? Well, friends, I want to say on this side of eternity, we walk by faith and not by sight. But in the world to come, we will see him face to face. We will know God just as he knows us. We will see God just as he sees us. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, But then, face to face, now in part, but then we will know fully as we are fully known. Isn't that beautiful? God knows us fully and one day we will fully know him. The day is coming when we will see our father face to face.
And until that day, we see him in the face of his son. And we see him by the power of his spirit. Let me pray. Father of unapproachable light, send down your spirit. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to receive your word. Gracious God, we want to see Jesus. Amen.